airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today for another hopefully thought-provoking discussion mm-hmm. on uh, faithful, biblically-driven worldview engagement. Yeah, that sounds very yeah. important. I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Of course, we're going to try to be faithful to get your calls in in the last segment. I'm trying to do better. Um, pray my strength in the Lord. I used to be a part of testimony service when I was growing yes. up. Yes. Testimonies would wrap up with pray my strength in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So um, at some point, did you think that was just uh, the ending or was it really sincere, sincere each time? OK, I see you trying <laughs> to take me down memory lane to my my younger days growing up in church. A lot of what I observed um, and what I learned, I, I there was this sort of there was a tradition to what was done. Yeah. And I didn't understand it. But I wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there would be different people who would read different passages of scripture mm-hmm. in church. Um, the minutes would be read in church and then people would receive and adopt the minutes. And mm, yes. there did, were people did who did read? this. You remember? I Yeah. Well, really? once I learned how to do it. Yeah. Once I learned how to do it. OK. Because there's a way to do it. And I, yeah, I once is. I learned how to do it and, and asking my mom, if I, if I could, do, no, 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 wait, you're thinking read for the pastor. Yeah. Read. No, 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 uh, no, no. Okay. I never did that. No, that's adult status. Oh, okay. I was no, saying, I man, was I never gonna, saw a child no. do that. Okay. Yeah. No, no, that. I mean, oh, but you're man. exceptional. So maybe, you know. Well, wow. Look at you. That's great. You know what I'm <laughs> you, saying. You, you know? sound like President Trump. Just special. You're a special person. <laughs> um, no, I never did that. Oh, okay. Now, anybody okay. who's listening to this, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's okay. <laughs> you all had your different church traditions and everything. Um, no, it wasn't that. It was um, scriptures that would be read like at the end of the service and, okay. and things. It, it was just this whole protocol. Okay. And um, I just remember admiring that. And, you know, you ask your mom, hey, can I do that? And for the longest time, it's like, no, you don't know how to do it. You can't do it. You know, you can't do it. <laughs> and so anyways, um, I, I forget what my whole point was. You were asking me about testimony service. That was uh, yeah, a part yeah. of church. Right. When I was growing up, um, testimony Service mm-hmm. and prayer was a regular part. Also, mm-hmm. communion was a regular part, yes. and foot washing was a regular part. Okay, well, when I was growing yeah. up, that wasn't the regular part for us. But yeah, we yeah yeah like remember, regular meaning like being, every month. Um, well, now you know I don't know I don't want to exaggerate. I can't remember okay. regular meaning. It was a part of my church experience that I I don't know how often it happened. Do you mean like foot washing? Yeah, because I know like communion for us was like every last Sunday, like every fourth Sunday. It was like boom, boom. Yeah, maybe something you know, like so, that. Oh, really? That's pretty. Yeah, um, maybe that's pretty regular. Some, yeah, something like that. I mean, it was it was ongoing. It was a it was a part of the process. It was something that mm. I we expected that was going to happen. Communion was was a part of that. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up. I grew up in a small church, mm-hmm. and um, and so we did grape juice. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the service, you know, everything would be taken to the back of the yes. church. And I remember as a kid, um, me and my siblings, like, hey can we drink the rest of the juice? Like, well, they told is, y'all. Is, you know, 
Well, yeah, we could have some. Really? I thought that was like you weren't supposed to touch that even afterwards. Oh, well, See, I don't I, know. I never dared ask. Praise the like, Lord, it didn't no. affect my salvation. So, um, I, <laughs> the we, sacred I mean, juice, man. You better, yeah, you better go home I think for it some may have been, apple again, juice Again, I, I grew up in a small church, <laughs> and the pastor and his wife were like parents to my mom. Yeah. And so it may have been like a grandmotherly thing that, you know, Hmm. we were allowed to have I don't, I don't know, know. I don't I, know. I, now I feel like I'm getting people in trouble <laughs> I don't know that that um, juice was Elder like Shepherd set apart with the Lord so I don't know <laughs> I mean it's okay <laughs> you know anyways um yeah so so hey today we're talking about the church incidentally All and right. uh, talking about the importance of the church and and so the question for our discussion is why do we get there first why do we get there first? That's the question. <laughs> Why, Why do we, we get, get there, there first? first? Okay. And and people are like, well, what's there? <laughs> what's the there? Uh, there is factual information. It's knowing things that then the studies or the scientists come out later, and then they confirm what we who are in the body of Christ mm-hmm. already know. Because mm-hmm. we read the and book. And so... Yeah, we read the book. And so they, <laughs> they they always show up with their findings and, and they publish these reports and and they make it into the journal of Zaga Zaga Zugu Zoo. And, and, and everybody's like, have you read this in the like, journal of mind blowing study? It's, it's, it's like, um... and then the Christians are standing there like <laughs> Sonic ready to run. We're tapping our foot. We're yeah. like, hey, you're late. We already knew this. You know what I mean? Uh, this whole thing, this whole human genome project that they've done saying that, oh, we have conclusively discovered that mm-hmm. every human being on the planet can trace their lineage back to two people. <laughs> And the Christians are like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? We could have gave y'all that answer a long time ago. Dude, just ask us. Like, we have the book. We have, we actually have the manual if you guys would just ask us. And so for every Christian, it's funny because when they come at you and they're like, you believe in fairy tales, it's like, well, you should just be like, just wait, you'll get there. Right, you'll get it one day. (laughs) Just wait. <laughs> you just don't understand you right now. You too shall believe. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. and that's the confidence that we have, that we have a book that is steeped in historical fact. Yeah. It's also inspired by the Lord. I mean, you know, by the Holy Spirit, God, you mm. know. And so anyways, um, the question is, why do we get there first? Mm. And um, the backdrop for that discussion will be this new study that is uh, published by Harvard. Okay. Not even the one on the bayou. My this is the on. Harvard Harvard. Put yeah, put them on the tip and, of your yeah, nose. Yeah, put them down. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Harvard. A new study by Harvard mm-hmm. that shows regular church attendance lowers the chances of deaths from despair. And we're going to define that. What are deaths from despair? We're going to talk about that. Um, but again, this is one of those things where even early on, and again, I don't, you know, I don't like to say I told you so. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, I kind of sometimes I do. I mean, <laughs> okay, let's just, okay, sometimes I do. All right, you got me. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes sometimes it depends on the person, right? But like the people who are, <laughs> the people who are like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There is something that is satisfying in saying to them, we already told you. I yeah. do. I have to admit yeah. that, right? I mean. uh, so early on, we were talking about what's essential and what's non-essential, right? right. We're talking about businesses and services and all these things. That's and right. and I'm saying the church is essential. Exactly. Well, leave it to Harvard to go ahead and say, hey, y'all, Miki was right. The church, <laughs> the church is essential. This is this is why. Look, this is why the scriptures are proven and confirmed to mm. be true. Amen. That we can be wiser than our teachers. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can be wiser than Harvard. Mm-hmm. When we go with the Bible, 
Come on. You can't lose. So now Harvard is catching up to what we already knew because we based our claim on the scriptures. Yep. That's how we got there. It wasn't just we said, oh, we just like each other. We're saying, no, the church being able to gather now, and, and this is what we're going to look at. The problem comes in and that what many people think is a healthy, robust church is not. So mm. they see it as very dispensable. So mm. it's like, oh, I don't even realize, but a robust church, a church that is biblically defined is not dispensable. In fact, it is essential. And now Harvard is saying, hey, we actually have empirical data mm. that shows that church is necessary. Mm. And they're saying that they're concerned because of the churches that have been shut down during COVID-19 when people probably most need church. Harvard is saying that. Wow. Um, got let me, Harvard. Hmm. You know, I could, you know, <laughs> man. And, I, you know, and these people, these people, they talk about peer reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, submit it to Mika. Bring, bring your paper to Mika. And, man, see, that's the thing, too. You know, some of this stuff. And like you're saying, you know, the Bible lays this stuff out and we're like, see, yeah, you know, and I feel like I don't I don't feel like I know that God has given us the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So you call him also the game changer. He's the advantage. Yeah, he's the (laughs) advantage. And so when all these so-called smart people and, you know, philosophers and all these, you know, people come with, hey, we have this new. Yep. Man, the Holy Spirit can reveal that to a person who's never been to college, never been to Yes. You know what Never I'm saying? Never been to Harvard on the Harvard. Yeah. Just Harvard on the Bayou. The Holy Spirit, man. Right? So anyways, the topic of conversation mm-hmm. is a response to the question, why do we get there first? If Will were doing this show by himself, he would say the Bible and tell you guys to come back tomorrow. Yep. That's it. And then that would be that would, <laughs> But good thing that Mickey's here. <laughs> the wordy one is with me. And uh, and so she will be wordy. But here is the study. And this is interesting. This should excite you as a believer. When you put your faith, your your hope in the word of God, you know that it's true and people mm. mock you. And sometimes you feel a little overwhelmed because you're like, man, I just I don't know if I can combat these people. I don't know if I can stand against them. My strong encouragement has always been not only for myself, but for every, every believer that I ever talk to, ever encourage, ever disciple, is that the Holy Spirit indwells you. Mm. He really is the game changer. Amen. So you, you are tasked with reading the word of God. The Holy Spirit is tasked with bringing all of those things back to your remembrance. So at the time that you are standing and needing to give a defense and needing to speak, you're not, the weight is not on your shoulders. So to speak, the weight is on the shoulders of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm, of God. Mm-hmm. And his shoulders are broad enough, big enough, and strong enough to oh, handle yeah, no that weight. Yeah. No problem for him. No problem, right? So here we go. Here's a story, and this should excite you. I'm, I'm hoping that it brings you as much joy and satisfaction as it brought me, and <laughs> it just kind of makes me giddy. Will the Great can tell you for sure. Uh, <laughs> this tickles me a lot. So here it is. A study of the well-being of healthcare workers in the United States found that those who regularly attend worship services are at a lower risk of deaths related to alcohol, drugs, or suicide. Collectively, these types of deaths are known as deaths from despair. Mm. Did you know that? Deaths from despair. Deaths related to alcohol, drugs, or suicide collectively are known as deaths from despair. It's amazing um, the amount of attention we should pay to the description mm-hmm. there. The words Deaths that are from used. Despair. despair is straight from. You can go to the Bible. And C- see. Come on, man. They, they got all King James. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, that's, they, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> where do I go? <laughs> they went they went all the way back. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just guys, I don't want to enjoy it too much because I want to get the information in, but I'm gonna enjoy it a little bit, all right? Because we're right. All right. And all these people who want you to feel like you're just clinging to your Bibles and your guns. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> keep doing it okay anyway here we go researchers with the th chan school of public health at harvard university had a study published last week in the journal jama psychiatry jama psychiatry they didn't ask me to peer review it um (laughs) but i'm going to take them at their word that they've gone through all of the steps for research and that we can trust it right sure excuse me so here was the study Um, It was titled Religious Service Attendants and Deaths Related to Drugs, Alcohol and Suicide Among U.S. Healthcare Professionals. So the research drew from a sample of 66,492 female registered nurses via the Nurses Health Study 2. According to the researchers, women who attended religious services at least once per week had a 68% lower hazard of death from despair compared to peers who did not. While men who attended worship at least once a week had a 33% lower hazard compared to men who never attended. This study suggests that religious service attendance was associated with lower risk of deaths from despair among both men and women. Well, look at that. I'm going to read that line again. (laughs) And they say, why? We heard you. Because I like it. (laughs) I like that line. This study suggests that religious service attendance, oh, man, was associated with lower risk of deaths from despair among both men and women. Now, you must at this point, again, ask yourself, when the church is in Satan's crosshairs, is there a reason for that? Hmm. Is there a reason for that? Is there something that is afforded us in regular ongoing fellowship that, again, Harvard, thank you for showing up, but we've already been here a minute. Okay, we're comfortable here already, Harvard. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your peer-reviewed Jamabama article thing. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right, but we've already been here. Okay? <laughs> when we get back on the other side of the break, what I want to do is I want to take a little run through the scriptures. And I want to look at what a healthy, robust church looks like and why it confirms <laughs> that Harvard's not off its rocker, at least not here. At least not here. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Mm-hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's Mosaic MSC with Trimble. Sherry V's over in Studio CC. In the last segment, we'll open the phone lines up. I don't want to hang on the rim any longer than I have to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't show off. I mean, come I don't on. Do it. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. Penalty ink, call. Ink. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do all of that. I just. I just. <laughs> I kind of want to just move the ball down the court. I want to mm-hmm. do it according to the technique, and then I just want to swish. That's it. I don't want to hang on the the rim. Split um, Although it's very. It's tempting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tempting. This Harvard study that suggests that religious service attendance was associated with lower risk of deaths from despair among both men and women. And again, definition of deaths from despair, those that are related to alcohol, drugs and Mm. suicide. If you don't remember anything else, remember that deaths from despair are those related to alcohol, drugs and suicide. Findings of this study were congruent with previous evidence suggesting that religious service attendance was inversely associated with all-cause mortality and various factors associated with despair, positively associated with psychosocial well-being outcomes, such as greater purpose in life and often more strongly associated Hmm. with subsequent health compared with other aspects of social integration. Wow. Okay, Okay, I'm going to... Get down from the rim. <laughs> Guys, this is this is phenomenal information. But again, you were already here. Right. OK, you were already here. Continuing on with this research, according to the researchers, the convergence of shared beliefs and enhanced social connection may be associated with health benefits. Oh, come on, guys. That's a soft statement there. <laughs> come on. You can. I mean, this is what your studies. This is what your study showed. So, I, I mean, it may be, but your study showed that it is, right. right? Although the magnitude of health associations may not be as substantial in other forms of social integration. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, although the magnitude of other types of social interactions may not be as great as what is happening when you gather in church, mm. you should still try those things as well. Mm. These Harvard researchers found the impact of other forms of social connectivity and social activity is not as great as church. Let me just say, say it in that? Miki's vernacular. No, that's that's Miki. Oh, whoa, what is it? That's what I wrote in red. <laughs> that's what I wrote in red crayon when they gave it to me to review it. I took out, I took out those fat crayons that you hold with your fist. Right. And that's what I wrote. I may or may not have my tongue hanging out of my mouth. You know how kids are coloring. Guys, this is phenomenal information, and I don't want you to miss it because of the humor here, but there's great comfort that we can all take Mm. in knowing that the word of God never puts us to shame, that Jesus Christ does not put us to shame, that our trust and our hope in him is not ridiculous, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't put us to shame. Ying Chen of Harvard's Institute for Quantitative Social Science and the lead author of this study told the Harvard Gazette that the results were especially striking amidst the present COVID-19 pandemic. This is what Mr. Chen said, quote, they are striking in part because clinicians are facing such extreme work demands and difficult conditions, and in part because many religious services have been suspended. Mm. Let me finish his quote here. Mm-hmm. We need to think what might be done to extend help to those at risk for despair. A few other things from this, and then we'll move on to our higher authority than Harvard, which is the word of God. Amen. That's what we do, right? It's <laughs> okay. 
So in 2018, researchers with the University of Texas at San Antonio found that people who attend religious services and pray often typically sleep better than their less religious peers. Okay. I can recall some scripture. Uh, I mean, me too. I was, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, why do we we get there first, guys? We get there first. If only and, we and believe it, the, you know. If, you know, and apply it. Yes. And apply it. The Bible tells us very clearly that we don't have to rise up early and stay up late toiling for food. In other words, associated with worry and thinking that by the strength of your own hands, the Bible tells us very clearly that the Lord gives sleep to those He loves. Mm-hmm. So, so when we have these anxiety attacks and we have these things that, that are real, there are things, and I was telling Will, you know, there are some things that are still going on with my family and the death of my sister passing my sister. There are things that, you know, suddenly come back to my mind and I find myself in the middle of the night. It's like, ah, they come to my mind and I try to pray through those things. So I'm not diminishing the reality of us having concerns that come to our minds, right? Those things that you go and it's hard to flip over to the other side of the pillow. Those mm. things are real, but we have great comfort and great hope. In the word of God. Amen. That is as real. Do you understand? That's not just that's not just you trying to comfort yourself with fables as people would have you believe. And so we have these conversations today that revolve around, well, what are we going to do today as we talk about reaching people when the Bible has become so irrelevant? Oh, has it? (laughs) Has it become so irrelevant? You've got people with all kinds of ailments around you where the Bible is the only thing that's relevant for Mm. them. That's the only thing that can help them. And yet we hold it back. Why? Because we have been told that we're stupid if we believe that. Because we're always looking outside of the faith to be validated. (laughs) So it's sad that for some Christians, some professing Christians, the Harvard study carries more weight than the Bible. Being able to say that Harvard has shown, now you feel like, okay, now I'm in good company. Mm. You were already here if you were standing on the word of God and you, my friend, were in the best company. That's right. I want boldness to be returned to the body of Christ where we speak in terms with great authority because the word of God has afforded us this opportunity. We're not mincing words. It's it's the you know, it's it's that. um, Anyway, I don't know. I hate to say like, come on. What is that? Yeah. All right. Last thing from this article. And which, by the way, you want to read this article? And if you're petty, you want to post it on somebody's wall. I don't recommend that. I don't <laughs> recommend that. I don't, I'm just saying if, if you want. The, it'll be in the show notes. So you can always get it for yourself and read it. But here we go. More religious adults in particular um, tend to exhibit healthier sleep outcomes than their less religious counterparts. More religious adults in particular tend to exhibit healthier sleep outcomes than their less religious counterparts. Now, here's what I want to do because a biblical worldview is not just thinking. It is also doing, mm-hmm. it is not just thinking, right? Man, we had a, we had one of our listeners. I want to say this. And I thought this was such, such an amazing comment to read under one of our posts from yesterday. One of our listeners said, and I'm going to paraphrase her here, but she said that adopting, um, and again, paraphrasing, adopting a, a biblical worldview puts you at odds not only with people in the culture, but sometimes people in the church. Mm. Now you think about that. That's That's true, guys. It's correct. (laughs) That's true. And I'm going to tell you, in so many instances, some of the confirmation that you have effectively adopted a biblical worldview is that people do not largely agree with you. Mm. No, I'm not saying that we need to always be looking to be disagreed with. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
But what you find when you turn people to the word of God and you say, well, the Bible says this. They're like, no, 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 no. But if you put down the one, carry the two and go back to the original Greek. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's there's a way to not have to apply that for what it actually is. Mm. So here's what I want to do. Because, you know, in light of um, Harvard finally getting to where we are, right? And in light of us saying already <laughs> that the church is essential, I think it is fitting for us to say, here is how we arrive at that position that the church is essential. Okay. The best way to arrive at that position that the church is essential is knowing what the church is mm. and how the church is supposed to function. See, if you don't know what the church is, then you're like, well, no, I mean, you know, zoom on in. Right. No, we can keep this up. There's nothing lacking. Right. No, don't worry about it. Oh, we don't need to fight for that. No, come on. We Look, it's fine. But now let's look at what the Bible describes as the church. Let's look at how the Bible defines the church. The first introduction that we have to the formation of the church or the forming of the church is in Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, specifically Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when the Bible describes all the believers gathered together, there's like sort of... um four components of the church that you see that Luke writes about, mm -hmm. right? So in Acts chapter two, verse 42, the Bible says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at that, sometimes we like to put the fellowship and the breaking of bread together as if breaking bread is fellowship. Come on, now. If breaking bread is fellowship, then there'd be no reason to have both of those there. Right. Right. So the Bible is not superfluous. So that means that there's a reason that there's a distinction there. Mm -hmm. So we have to ask ourselves, what is that distinction? And there's a reason that that is a component that both fellowship and the breaking of bread are components of the early church. Mm -hmm. And these things, I would say, as a pattern, as a foundation of the church, should have always remained in the church. Mm -hmm. This should have always been a component of the church. Amen. Because they weren't just doing this for their health. <laughs> <laughs> there must there must have been this understanding that there's great necessity for us to operate in this way. Although, so here we go. Although go ahead. Their go help ahead. probably was greatly affected by this. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you, Harvard. Now, <laughs> now we know it was. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what are those four components that we see that describe um, the purpose of the church? And I would argue what must be ever present in the church. So number one is doctrine. They mm. devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. So here is what we believe and here is why we believe it. Amen. And how was the foundation laid for that? By firsthand account from the apostles. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a game of telephone. <laughs> well, they told me they told. No, this is what we have seen. The, we are witnesses of the, we are passing this down to you. All right. So they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So this is doctrine. Yeah. So when we show up at church and when we gather together, if we've only been given some great like pep rally call, mm. that's not doctrine. Mm. Being Come taught on. what you believe and why you believe it is not the same as giving somebody some sort of motivational speech. Come on. Now, there can be some motivation as you hear what you believe and you can be lit and set ablaze. Mm -hmm. But to say, I'm going to take 30 minutes and get you pumped up and then send you back out to wolves. That's not enough. Come on. Come on. You have to understand that the early church, and this would define the early church for hundreds of years. The early church understood that a commitment to follow Christ 
could and would cost them their lives. It wasn't enough to say, hey, your business can expand. Mm. Hey, you can live financially free if you have these three steps. No, it wasn't that. It was these are the things that we have seen and that we have heard and we can't stop preaching about it. (laughs) These are the things that we know to be true. This Jesus Christ who told us this about himself, man, he proved it. This Jesus Christ did rise again from the dead. We saw him. We ate with him. Mm. We saw him taken up again. We were asked the question by angels, why are you staring up? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you looking up like that? In the same way that you see him go, he's coming back. Mm. Guys, this has got to define our faith. This has got to define when we gather. It can't just be, you know, rousing illustrations, a series of illustrations. What's the doctrine here? What is it that we believe about Christ and his sacrifice? Why do we believe that? Why should we be willing to die for this? And so much of that is missing and lost in the church that we find it expendable. I don't really need to go. I mean, I can, you know. I got YouTube videos I can watch for that. Mm. Number two, fellowship. Mm-hmm. Fellowship. They were engaged in communion with each other. They were engaged in communion with those in whom the spirit of God was dwelling. Yes. Now, there was a commonality, and it's amazing. You know, this this word fellowship here, the Greek word is koinonia, mm-hmm. and the definition of koinonia means to hold things in common or to share things together. Which means that Christians can't fellowship everywhere and anywhere. That's not called fellowship. You can call it hanging out. Mm. <laughs> but what we're talking about is that when the body of Christ gathers, there is something that we have in common. So our fellowship is rich because the one spirit indwells us all. And look, Jesus made this point. You remember in John's account where Jesus prays for himself and then he prays for the apostles and then he doesn't stop there. He prays for us. He prays for the believers who are going to come after the apostles who are going to believe. And in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, this is what Jesus says. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what is the commonality that we have? That Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ is in us Mm. as Christ is in God and that we are one. There is a commonality there. It's not something that is dispensable. In fact, that's what bonds us together. This one spirit. When we talk about even the unity of the spirit Mm -hmm. and the bond of peace. So this is not something that is dispensable. Number three, you're talking about what's the purpose of the church? Breaking bread, that's communion. Mm. So when the church is gathering, they are remembering the sacrifice of Christ. I mean, dare I go so far as to to think about Paul's letter to the Colossians when he talks about Christ being preeminent? Everything that they are doing centers on this understanding that Christ is the head of the church. He is our head. So when they gather and they're taking communion, this they are doing in remembrance of him. And then the final component, number four, is prayer. Mm. So not only are they remembering the sacrifice of Christ, but they are engaged in robust communion with Christ. (laughs) Not only praying for themselves, 
but praying for one another. Look, these four components are indispensable in the church. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. These are not expressed best digitally. Come on. One more time. These are not expressed best digitally. The church is essential. Even Harvard has confirmed. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. might be smarter than a Harvard researcher if you already knew that the church was essential. <laughs> if you already knew that gathering together was more than just a feel-good opportunity or something to check off your weekly list and say, hey, well, God, we got that through. I mean, it's over. We're mm. done. If you already knew that the church was essential and for more reasons than just saying, hey, I did it. <laughs> in fact, that's not a reason. <laughs> like, um, Then you're smarter. You're smarter yeah. than a Harvard researcher um, new study out from Harvard that suggests religious service attendance was associated with lower risk of deaths from despair among both men and women. Deaths from despair. Mm. Those are deaths related to alcohol, drugs, or suicide. Deaths from despair. So here was my question. What happens among believers when the scriptures are properly executed? Do these things necessarily lead to the mitigation of demonic attacks? Maybe, maybe the kinds of attacks that are manifested as deaths from despair. Mm. Well, I would say yes, because when you when you begin to go through the scriptures Mm -hmm. and you look at what the scriptures say about how we are to engage, like how we are to live in the body of Christ, you automatically see, oh, my goodness, of course, there's hope in this. Of course, there is like, you know, the opportunity to curtail Satan's lies, to stifle the attack that Satan wants to launch on people's minds, right? When we are all gathered together. Yeah. Romans chapter three, or Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to start at verse three, and then I'm going to move quickly through these because I want to I want to open the phone lines and get your take on this. Um, and I guess just to start off, the question will be, um, are you, could you have gone to Harvard? <laughs> That's all I want to know. I mean, for all of us right now who we already <laughs> knew this, we're like, man, we're like Uncle Rico. Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> could have took state or like could have gone to Harvard. You could have gone to Harvard. All right. Not that you want to, which would be my response. I didn't want to. Right. <laughs> Anyways, let's bring it back to the scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verses three through 17. So here we go. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more mm. highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, listen, to this is talking about body life, right? Why the church is indispensable. Why us meeting and gathering together is so necessary. Um, dare I even say essential, since we like that word right. these days. For as in one, and the members do not all have the same function. Man, <laughs> they do not have all the same function, right? Mm-hmm. So we... 
though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, and somebody was like, stop, I'm, I'm checking out. It's the, I'm reading the Bible to you. I'm reading the Bible to you. <laughs> Verse seven, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. So you're going to tell me if someone comes into your fellowship and they've fallen on hard times. Let me say this. They've fallen into despair. Mm. You're going to tell me that love properly executed is not going to see that and act on it. That we're not going to be able to be a comfort to one another. If a person is battling with suicidal thoughts, even if those thoughts are not expressed, you're going to tell me. That the type of discernment and the type of fellowship that we are supposed to have in the body of Christ is not going to allow for us to be able to act on that knowledge mm. available to us through the Holy Spirit. Guys, I'm telling you, not only not 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 only is it possible, but it's necessary. Yeah, it's necessary it for the body of Christ to function this way. It's not an option. We all have different gifts. So when we come together, we all use those gifts to strengthen and encourage one another. How is that dispensable? You know, it's interesting, too, at the end of Paul's letter to the Romans, he rejoiced that they were able to instruct one another. Mm. So here is another essential function of the church that we all so grow steeped in the word of God that it's not just, well, I've got to ask my pastor what he thinks about this. Mm -hmm. It's that we are able to instruct one another. Paul rejoiced in that. In the Romans, he was he was like, I'm, I'm, look, I rejoice that you guys are able to instruct one another. That means that there's growth, that now your defense of the faith is not just limited to what the pastor teaches you for 45, 50 minutes. Now it's your own instruction in the word, your own training and diligence. And now we're a mutual blessing because not only not only are we learning and growing, but we are passing that on to one another. Amen. We're challenging one another. We're bearing with one another. Again, let's talk about the health benefits of how the church functions best. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Which is why I have argued and taught <laughs> um, unrelentingly that we must reject calls for guilt narratives that have no remedy. Come on. <laughs> why would we adopt that? When, when the Bible tells us to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us, but we've got people who come on the scene and they're like, no, you're guilty, but it is an unmitigated guilt. You just, you are, you are born guilty because of your color of skin, because of your socioeconomic status, whatever you're guilty and you need to feel that guilt. Man, I did a whole study at a conference mm. once on the effects of guilt on the human body. And now we have, we have guilt narratives that say it can't be mitigated. No, you can never get over this. You must walk around feeling guilty. Announce your guilt. Revel in it. It has no place in the body of Christ. Philippians chapter two, verse four. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Imagine that, imagine that in the church. <laughs> imagine that. So people are hurting. People have lost their jobs. 
Well, so if I still have my job, if I'm still working, I'm still so that I'm not looking at my own interest and saying, whew, glad I got out of the pan mm-hmm. pandemic. I'm 2020. No, I'm saying, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Are you struggling? Like, what's going on here? What are the what do you need? What's going on with your family? Does that mitigate deaths from despair? I, I mean, I'm yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It does. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. When this doesn't happen, when this doesn't happen, you know, people turn to outside sources to be built up and to be encouraged Mm -hmm. and to get through Mm -hmm. drugs, alcohol. People are looking for an escape, but what happens when the body of Christ shows up and is actually the body of Christ? And then one last thing, and let me open the phone lines, 888 589-8840. 888-589-8840. 589-8840. 888-589-8840. As soon as you're on, I'll talk with you. 888-589-8840. Prayer is to be a huge component of the church. Mm-hmm. In prayer, we recalibrate our thinking. That enables us to live otherworldly here. Do you understand? Yeah. We have a different approach to things. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. So we've got people who are gripped with regular, consistent, persistent anxiety. When the church shows up, we help with that. Mm. We encourage in prayer. We bear with one another. As we are walking along in our journeys and, and we're growing, you know, we've been discipled. We don't look back and say, well, I can't believe you're still doing that. No, we lovingly bring people and help them mature and grow them in their faith and in their understanding of who God is and what he wants to do in their lives. Harvard has finally caught up with us. We always knew that the church was essential. We always knew that the church was indispensable. Amen. We always knew that there were health benefits associated with attending. And I would say (laughs) being full fledged members, Mm. not just of the church, meaning the gathering. Although, you know, you do something wonky there when you ignore what the definition is of the church, because by definition, We're talking about followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would encourage people, and we'll go to the first phone call here. I would encourage people not just to intend to attend church, but to be fully engaged, to know what the Bible says about your role Hmm. and to take it seriously. You're not dispensable. You are needed at your local assembly. Part of the body. So often we walk around and you're part of the body. Mm Mm-hmm. We're like, well, I don't know. They don't have this going on here. I don't know. I'm going to find me a place where they have it. Maybe it's supposed to be you who Mm, implements it. Come on. Maybe that's your role. Can you imagine if your heart just packs up and is like, yeah, you know, I'm done. (laughs) Come on, serve (laughs) the body. All right. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Annie in Mississippi. Hi, Annie. Hi, I am so glad to hear this subject. I, this is something that has grieved my heart, and I want to do it as quickly as I can. What I've seen, and this is what broke my heart, is that our leaders, they they just tuck tail and ran. They just, we're going to do what the authorities say do, and they forgot all about the people that truly love God. We come because we love 
him. That's my purpose for going into the church. I know what I can do at home and in private, but also not to do uh, what he told us not to do, and that's forsake the gathering. But not only that, mm-hmm. and the main thing that I want to get in is my heart for our senior citizens. I'm a one myself, but the ones that don't have computer for Zoom and all the other technology mm-hmm. things and don't have yes. a way or means of actually getting to the church, we just we didn't cut them out. They just... Hmm. Don't matter, as far as I can hmm. see. And I'm going to call you from Clarksdale, and I know uh, bigger cities have other things, but this has broke my heart that Christian people who preach, we love God, and, and you know, just bring down heaven in their sermons, and then when we come to this, you're not willing to take a stand. Hmm. You're not willing to hold down in Greenville. And wow. I'm so proud of the ministry there. Mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. have five sisters and uh, two brothers there. And I am grateful for what my hometown of Greenville, Mississippi, did with the minister there. Mm-hmm. You will have to go out. We talk about Daniel and the lion's den and <laughs> going through the fire of Sunday. Do we mean it? Mm. Come Are on. Are we willing to take a stand for our Savior? Mickey and Will, I hope you all hear my heart. Yeah. And I do. And in prayer that others will know this, and I'll get off the line. God bless bless you. you. God bless you. you. I do. I do hear our sister's heart. And I I think all of our listeners hear this. And I think these are the things that we have to consider when suddenly and at once we are overwhelmed and gripped by fear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we talk about this psychological warfare that the media has engaged in. It has almost incapacitated the Christian where we can't think of, wait a minute. What about people who don't have access to this? And what about those who still want, you know? And so I absolutely hear your heart. And I think that it was uh, perfectly worded. Really great. Where do we go next? Uh, Let's go to Kyle in uh, Virginia. Hi, Kyle. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing good. Um, Listen, uh, I just want to say, uh, first of all, you guys are so valuable to me. Um, I've been listening to you guys for for weeks now. And uh, uh, you really resonate within my spirit. Um, Really echo uh, some of the things that I, I've been having some concerns about uh, the church at large, and especially local churches. But anyway, but here's one of the things I uh, wanted to say to you guys. Um, to me, um, you talk about uh, Harvard being slow. Um, it's like for a bunch of intellectuals, uh, they sure are slow, right? Um, <laughs> the thing about it is that uh, we, yeah, you're right. We've been there the whole time. It, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Harvard being like the teenager that you've been trying to say something, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. their best friend finally said it, yes. and then yes. now they believe it. Right. <laughs> so that's where you guys are. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, no. <laughs> so, oh, finally, Harvard says it. My best friend Harvard says it. Right. Okay, yes. I mom and dad's cool now. So, right. Um, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Thank you. So that type of thing. <laughs> no, thank you, thank Kyle. You, Kyle. No, I appreciate you're right. you. You're right. That's. I mean, isn't it so true? Look, and I. I just want to say, I. I probably was that teenager. You know, like <laughs> I. You know, I just in in all in all honesty. But he's exactly right. That's what happens. My best friend Harvard has said it, and so now my parents are not so odd. Mm-hmm. You know, now it makes sense. Let's try to squeeze in one more call, Will. All right, let's go to Mark in Texas. Hi, Mark. Uh, hi. I just been listening for the last twenty minutes. Feel like I jumped in the middle, but uh, you're trying to get at. Hello. Hello, Mark? Yes. Okay, you were breaking up. Let's try it again. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think I think Mark is breaking up. We oh man, I really, really I wanted him. I wanted to hear Mark's question there too. Um Mark may still be using that Obama phone. Is Stop that what you that. Mark is that, No. Okay, no. I'm Stop sorry. It. Do they still I mean, I <laughs> 
Stop. Sorry, Mark. I'm sorry. We just I couldn't make out what Mark was saying. I really did want to um, be able to respond to his question. Um, let me just say this. I didn't get to this story, and this story probably deserves more time than just the outro music. Um, but T.D. Jakes did a Facebook Live on Sunday okay. where he was saying that um, using faith to flout social distancing precautions is foolishness and that it's dumb. Mm. And he was saying that Christians should not be, quote unquote, putting God to the test by going back oh to church, just saying, hey, I believe this, I believe that. And um, I, I may I may carry this over in the first segment tomorrow <sighs> because I think that this is kind of like makes the case, you know what I mean, yeah. of, of what we have to guard against right. uh, when we oh talk about how essential the church is. We're not putting God to the test. This is not throw yourself down and see, won't he command his angels concerning you? Right. No, this is not what this is at all. Right. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.